Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined to Pro Wrestling Hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who, since the hockey playoffs are starting at the time of this recording, I can only imagine he's going to root for my St. Louis Blues, Derek Halpin. Maybe a little bit, maybe more than you would expect, but uh, I'm not fully invested. I just know that since it's hockey playoff time and I don't have my team in the playoffs, I do get to celebrate the fact that my Chicago Blackhawks have the number three pick in the draft and all the other NHL fans are really unhappy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't like the Chicago Blackhawks having first pick, but, you know. Not first pick. Third. Third. Well, third's just as good as first, right? That's okay. It's pretty good. It's enough to upset everybody else. Welcome to Predetermined, a hockey-related hangout. Yeah, if you don't already know this, uh, <laughs> if you haven't tuned in, this is the part of the show where we talk for a few minutes before we ever even mention pro wrestling. Yeah. So if you're just listening, you're wondering, did I download the right podcast? Yeah, you did. We're just starting with hockey again. Don't mind us. We're trying to be Canadian. How many- <laughs> to- I was going to say thanks to Lowell for the influence. <laughs> I was going to ask, how many people do you think listen to the first couple minutes and be like, this sucks. I'm out of here. It counts as a download for us, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I obviously <laughs> like them to come back, but I also have to understand that, you know, we're not everybody's cup of tea. But it seems like more people are coming to the well for that cup of tea. Yeah, that that well, of, that tea well is really <laughs> getting sucked dry lately. Not that we mind at all. It's actually pretty exciting for us. But, no, please uh, suck my well. That sounds dirty. It wasn't. I just want him to have that well tea. I want him to keep Garrett, coming back and enjoying that well tea. Garrett, we do have a lot of things to talk about in this episode. And since we've already covered our WrestleMania thoughts on our bonus zone episode. Bonus zone! If you haven't already... Go back and check that out. It's our last available episode if you want to get our thoughts on WrestleMania 35. But uh, this one is going to be focused on all the other wrestling things that happened during WrestleMania weekend that were not actually WrestleMania. So that's the uh, that's the theme of this episode. So stick around with us. It should be a good one. I'm so excited to tell you about some of this bullshit, and I can't wait to hear from some of our listeners that attended. But Derek, I'm ready to get into this. Let's hit our goddamn music. I don't know where you would like to begin this. I don't know if you want to start with talking about matches, if you want to have an argument about something. What are we, how are we going to kick, now that we're past the actual intro, how would you like to start the show? Well, I would like to thank uh, Luke and Billy for sending me a shirt. I just got that in the mail right before we started recording. Oh, so you finally got your shirt. I did. Thank you, Luke and Billy. And I also received a, a birthday card from them. Oh, it was very nice. Money in it? They uh, they did not give me any money. Um, I I wouldn't expect <laughs> them to. 
<laughs> Honestly, if there'd been a $20 bill inside of it, I probably would have been more uncomfortable than anything. <laughs> <laughs> like they were acting like your grandma or something. Uh, well, you know what? Here, Since use they... us to buy a wrestling shirt, buddy. Since they uh, sent us some stuff, how about uh, Billy, Luke, tell us something you want us to uh, talk about next week. I would be happy to. Have we sent them some uh, stickers or hats or anything? I don't believe we have, Derek. Maybe that's something we can do. We have we have plenty of uh, business cards and buttons laying around. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just send them a pile of business cards. <laughs> <laughs> Here, distribute these. Uh, so let's, okay. Hey, also, while you're out there, rate, review, subscribe, hop on the iTunes, leave that five-star review. Uh, if you leave us a five-star review, we'll talk about anything you want us to watch as long as it can be loosely tied back to wrestling. Let's get that out of the way quick. All right. Let's go into fucking wrestling, man. I watched so much this weekend. I didn't even attend WrestleMania, and I feel fucking burnt out like I was there. You know, the thing about that is, though, when you're actually in New York trying to watch wrestling live, you can only do so much because you have to travel and you only have so much time to get from show to show. But when you're watching it from the comfort of your own home, Garrett, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just keep cycling through stuff on your computer. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I got, I got that experience of being at Joey Janela. You know, after that G1 was over, I wasn't rushing to get to spring break part two. I was just sitting in the exact same spot, had a little break. You know, I will bring this up later. We could talk about the G1. We could talk about Joey Janela. We could talk about Orange Cast. There's a lot of things we can talk about. We also can't forget, we didn't even talk a single bit about TakeOver. We didn't. We did not. And that's going to have to come up at some point, too. <laughs> I Oh, yeah. God, this was a very stacked weekend of really good shows, or at least a bunch of shows that you could collect, grab matches out of each and been like, that is one I will never forget watching. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, a good feeling. That's the fun thing about WrestleMania weekend is there's so many dream matches packed into so many different cards. Can I ask at the top of this, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last year, obviously, but how long or how many years have they been doing this? I don't want to call it a fan fest because that's not what it is, but how many years have they been, has there been a situation where you go to a city for WrestleMania and now there's all this other stuff attached to it from other promotions and other things to do while you're there. Has that just been like the last two or three years? I think it goes back further than that, because as I was looking up the card for the WrestleCon Super Show, it looked like it went back five or six years. Okay, so but it's been going on basically since they went um, for WrestleMania 30. Oh, at least, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's always been small indie things going on, but it just seems like it's getting bigger. I think WrestleFest is the right way to put it. I mean, it is, it is wrestling. everything. Yeah, it's wrestling took over New York City. It was everywhere. It's the fucking Captain Planet of wrestling events. <laughs> Joey Janela's over here being Earth. Oh, Orange I... Cassidy's. <laughs> Orange Cassidy's over here being Heart. Who's Fire? Uh... Uh, New Japan? Yeah, okay, yeah, you're you're right, they're fire. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the first show I want to talk about, though, this is one that every year I tell everyone, this is one of the shows you just, it's a don't miss show. Every year that I've gone to this thing, 
it is such an awesome card of unexpected surprises. They don't always announce the entire card. So you just get a few names, no idea what the matches are. And that's the WrestleCon Super Show. It's just, it's so good. I can't recommend it enough. And this year, I had, didn't hear anything about it. And then as I was looking through pay-per-views, like, what do I need to be watching to talk about? I saw what the main event of this was. And not only was it an amazing main event, it was one that I wanted to be in Madison Square Garden that I specifically said, this should be at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> the main event of that was Will Ospreay versus Bandito. Yeah. That's one to that's one to watch. What night did this happen on? This was Thursday night. WrestleCon really wow. nails it because they so shit does technically start on Wednesday night, I believe. But Thursday, WrestleCon gets so many of the new Japan guys. They get pretty much just everybody they can from the Indies and put on this fucking crazy awesome card. But I think part of the thing that makes it so good is WrestleCon is hopping on and getting all these top talent while they're still fucking fresh. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, fuck, you got two of the hot guys from ROH right now in your main event. Yeah. And then going back, like one of the first matches on this card, because I had no idea what it was going to be. So Pentagon and Phoenix came out and you're expecting them. To, you know, they're kind of talking about being the best in the world and everything. They end up fighting each other. You know, kind of, kind of the equivalent of getting to see the Young Bucks go up against each other. It was a lot of right. fun. Brother versus brother, Ray Phoenix went over. But maybe my favorite match of the entire weekend was on this WrestleCon card. That's where you're leading? That's what you're leading with? What Your do you favorite mean? match of the entire weekend is the first thing we're talking about? What are we, where are we going to go from here? Oh, it gets better, but I'm just saying it's a contender. Okay. And it, put it this way. This, say, ma this match made me... Over so much. <laughs> Jesus. This match made me so excited that I called you to talk about it. Did you answer? No. But just know that's how important this match was to me. Well, I'm glad that it mattered. When did you try calling? Uh, this was last night. Oh, when I was watching SmackDown and eating ice cream? <laughs> that sounds nice. That sounds like a yeah. real nice evening. It was a nice evening. What kind of ice cream? <laughs> it was Moose Tracks. Okay, I, I pegged you as like a... I'm glad you asked, though, because somebody might have wondered. Somebody was definitely wondering, and I picture you I picture you as a guy who's always going to go for the thing that I wouldn't. So I pictured you as like a mint chip guy. I used to be when I was younger, but uh, no. Moose Tracks is a very adult ice cream. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. That's but a the, the a mature treat. The match that I want to talk about from this WrestleCon Super Show, SCU comes out. They cut a really long... SCU! SCU! They cut a long promo, and then they act like they're leaving. But then someone's music hits, Derek. And it is Orange... You're going to have to let me know. It is Orange Cassidy. Is oh, shit. So Orange Cassidy walks out, the crowd goes insane. But then the two people that come out behind him to join him in this six-man tag. Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, best friends. Best friends. Best Ooh. friends and, and Orange Cassidy are maybe the perfect trio I could ever... I can't think of anyone I want to see together more than those three. Well, is this the match that you said is a con contender for match of the weekend? For me, it was. 
<laughs> like, I mean, if you don't know anything about Orange Cassidy, you absolutely have to look up some of his matches. To me, Orange Cassidy was one of the people who stole the weekend. Every match he had is hilarious. He's a comedy wrestler, but he's super cool. And he wears aviators and he's too cool to do anything, really. He has no energy and the crowd goes insane as he basically just slaps your chest very daintily and lightly. <laughs> How long did WrestleCon go on for? Uh, what was it? I want to say, what's funny is the whole show itself started late because I guess, remember last year in New Orleans, they had issues with the uh, boxing commission and some of the, right. mo the moves they weren't allowed to do. Yeah. Well, this year they found out pretty late what some of the rules were for the New Jersey Athletic Commission. Okay. One of those rules being an ambulance has to be on site. That seems like an issue. Yeah, there wasn't one. So the show starts late. And what do they do? <laughs> they send Road Warrior Hawk out there to start talking. And then they send Ric Flair out there. And Ric Flair, they basically send him out and you're like, hey, you got to kill 15 minutes, bud. You think you can do it? And he's like, absolutely. So how... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ric Flair said it like that. Oh, he definitely mumbled something because I think he'd been drinking a little, Derek. I don't, I don't know if that's a surprise. Ric Flair. But how long into that speech do you think before he started crying? Five? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Like I didn't the, even say minutes, but you knew what I meant. The second he brought up how big this weekend is for his daughter, he barely even got it out of his mouth and was just wow. weep, weeping in the middle of the ring. And you knew that was going to happen. When they needed to send somebody out there, like, get Ric Flair out there to start crying. I love a good Ric Flair promo, even to this day. Who doesn't? Well, somebody might not, but... <laughs> Okay, back to this Orange Cassidy match. So a big thing with Orange Cassidy is at the beginning of a match, you know, typically it starts with a lockup. Orange Cassidy starts every match with his hands in his pockets. And when he his, doesn't give a shit. Because he, he doesn't give a shit. And Christopher Daniels comes in and is trying to lock up with Orange Cassidy. And he just, he at one point he says, no way, baby. <laughs> And at one point, Christopher Daniels grabs Orange Cassidy's hand and pulls it out of his pocket. And from the corner, you hear Chuck Taylor goes, he's shooting on you. <laughs> uh, and then partway through the match, Orange Cassidy throws... Uh, Trent a pair of his sunglasses and he puts the sunglasses on and immediately hits one of the members of SCU in the dick and Chuck <laughs> and Chuck Taylor from the other side of the ring goes what are you doing best friends don't hit people in the dick <laughs> so something happens and basically the sunglasses possess Trent Beretta and him and Kaz switch teams so it's like the mask a little bit <laughs> So Trent is now with SCU and Kaz is over with Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. And ba anytime somebody puts the sunglasses on, they become an asshole. <laughs> That's fun. And if you're wondering, uh, at some point during this weekend, does Nick Gage wear Orange Cassidy sunglasses? You're goddamn right he does. <laughs> <laughs> does he abide by the rules? 
Uh, oh yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you know, it, he it, it, this was part of Orange Cassidy's own show that he had this weekend. We'll get to that right. later. But yeah, this match was fun as shit. It was just a really good comedy match between six really funny guys. Tell me about this main event. Bandito versus Osprey. Yeah. Oh my god! At the end of the match, Osprey cut such an awesome promo, just praising Bandito. And basically saying, like, this guy is the future. This is one of the best people I've ever wrestled against. That is insane. I was going to say, Osprey had a good weekend, too. Osprey did not have a bad weekend. I mean, if you want to skip from this to Supercard, he had that opening match with Cobb. I guess opening yeah. matches in after the pre-show. We this, don't count pre-show stuff on this show. This was one of my favorite matches on the card, if not because... Yeah, of course, I wanted to see Osprey versus Bandito at Madison Square Garden, but this is a good match for Cobb. To me, Cobb had a lot more to gain from this match than Will Osprey did. Yeah, Cobb looked like a monster in this match. Threw him all over the ring, gained, uh, gained two belts. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, you're excited to see Cobb do more work with New Japan. Yeah, because now that he has the never open weight, I see him being over there against like Goto and Ishii and Suzuki, like putting him against, you know, harder hitting, like thick boys. Jeff Cobb's great year just continues. So overall, though, what did you think of the G1? Um, I thought it was a good show. Um, I was a little disappointed with the ROH world title ladder match. I was a little disappointed, not necessarily at the finish itself of the um, IWGP. I just thought that like it could have ended five minutes sooner at the spot where Okada hit the two Rainmakers and the crowd was really fucking losing their shit. This is, this is the, occasionally an issue I have while watching New Japan shit is that they'll hit a really nice high spot in the match. I don't mean like with a move, but they'll have a moment where it feels like this is the finish. And then a guy kicks out and I think, well, where do they go from here? And every now and then the place they go from there isn't as good as where they could have ended it. I can see that. And I mean, also, you know, they're known for long matches. They're known for like right. a long main event. And is that sometimes it doesn't need to be that long. Is that what you're saying? So I don't, it, I don't even know necessarily know if it has anything to do with length. It's just like they, they'll, they'll have a really good finish that the crowd's ready for the, for the, the pin. And then somebody kicks out from something that seems completely fucking unbelievable for them to kick out from. And then what ultimately ends up beating them is either almost the exact same thing. <laughs> like if like five minutes later, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, they, they, they use finishers really weird in new Japan. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. It's just sometimes it doesn't work for me. Um, to me, like the first of all, I'm very happy that Okada has the belt back. I I we just talked about it the other day. It just seemed like their Jay White wasn't really doing much. And I guess they were saying during the match that this is that if Jay White had lost, which he ended ultimately did, they had said that this would be the first time in like ever or in a long like what what were the exact were two IWGP champions back to back failed to defend the title, like immediately lost it on their first defense. Wow. Between well, Tanahashi and Jay White. 
So something I was hearing about this show is that the original plans for it were to have Kenny Okada 4 at Madison Square Garden and have Okada go over again. Well, that would make sense for for it being that big of a show, too. To have that Kenny title change. Yeah, but then Kenny obviously chose AEW. So... <laughs> Do you get the same feeling with Jay White being the champion that you did when Jinder Mahal had the cha- the title? Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily go that far. Like, what do you mean by that? Where it just feels like they put the belt on somebody to try it out? Yeah, Jinder got a lot longer tryout, though. He did, and it, what was weird about Jinder's title reign in WWE is that it wasn't at a time where they were really lacking on talent or people that they could have put in that spot. So it was a weird time to do an experiment. I don't know if, does that apply to the Jay white situation here? Like were they? No, I think you're right. That doesn't apply. Like this was them trying to make a new AJ style. (laughs) I assume what they wanted out of this ideally would be a new top guy. And it just is didn't this a take. situation where they were hoping that the belt would make the man instead of the man making the belt or the title, depending upon if you're Vince or not? That's kind of how this one felt to me because I don't really know anyone. I mean, I guess I know a couple people that I've seen wear Jay White t shirts, but for the most part, I don't know. None of my friends, at least, are huge Jay White fans. Right. Or are things just in flux now that Kenny's gone? I don't know. They, they have plenty of guys over there that I'm completely ready to see go against Okada. Is Naito one of them? Absolutely. I think Naito versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom next year. Do it one more time. Have Naito go over this time. Um, But I guess the other big story from here, instead of just talking about who's the IWGP champion, uh, Ibushi picks up the uh, Intercontinental title from Naito. And what to me was the match of the show. To me, it was the second best match of the show. Well, to each their own. To each their own. I'm not going to fight you on it. What, what was the match of the show in your, in your mind? Well, PCO's only in one match, so... <laughs> no one should be surprised that... Like, I was texting with Jeffy uh, b- before this show started, and I'd never even considered... Like, I just thought it was funny that PCO was at Madison Square Garden at all. I never even considered, oh my God, we might see one of the biggest botches of all time. This could be like a historically big fuck up. Yeah. We didn't get that fuck up from him, uh, but we no. did. What I thought the best thing. He did in, almost die though. He, yeah, he did almost die. <laughs> but before he almost died, he actually hit his moves. And the announcers commented like, oh my God, that's the first time he's ever actually hit that sent He did it standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna get replayed back with all the great madison square garden moments throughout history spot of the weekend and the best thing that's ever happened to madison square garden and this goes for wrestling sports music theater whatever has happened in there yes this was better than when andrew dice clay headlined madison square garden in his prime <laughs> P- <laughs> pco took a power bomb from the ring to the floor, Derek. <laughs> right? Like, just dropped right on his back and neck. I almost shit my pants. Like, I, did, I didn't even laugh. I was speechless. I couldn't believe he took that bump. 
And the best but thing. Let, no, oh, no. Here's the thing about that. I when they were set when when Gorilla's Destiny were setting up to dump him out of the ring, my mind was like, "There's got to be a table out there that I don't know about, right?" Oh, I knew there's like, no way he's landing flat back on the floor. They're not just dumping him to to the fucking floor. Oh, fuck yeah, they are. And the best part is he does the Undertaker setup and like yells into the camera. And the second the camera cuts away from him, it goes to a different angle of the match. It kind of goes to hard cam, but you can still see PCO off to the side and you just see him flop straight back onto his back. <laughs> like, like, fuck. <laughs> like he had the energy to sit up and do the undertaker spot. But after that, it was like, I'm taking a fucking nap the rest of this weekend. Yep. <laughs> I'm done. I earned my payday. And then, and then obviously gorillas of destiny go over. They're now part of ring of honor and new Japan. Did you happen to see the press conference after this match? Where they threw the titles. Tama Tonga walks in and just goes, who gives a fuck about ring of honor and threw the ring of honor title at the wall and sits down with the new Japan title. God damn. That's a way to enter the promotion. But I think just... Tama Tonga was pissed. About what? About what happened at the end of this fucking match. Well, I would imagine, yeah. If you've been under a rock and missed all of WrestleMania weekend, <laughs> some commotion is happening during this match, and all I saw was a flash of blonde hair go across, and my first thought was, oh, fuck, Enzo jumped the barricade. Like, but you were thinking it like jokey. Yeah. I didn't know that was actually him. And then when I saw the fight and I realized, oh shit, that is Enzo. They immediately cut away and they cut to like the G1 super card title. And then they cut to the announcers who are just talking about the match. Like nothing is happening. They don't, they may have said somebody's angry. They didn't get booked or something like that, but they didn't specified that there was a fight happening that something unexpected was happening just nothing but in the far background i could see big casts yelling at people and i okay so everybody's starting to think this is a work i really don't but i was always under the impression since they they left wwe that enzo and cast didn't get along that they've been feuding with each other for a while like like for real so for them to show up together, like they orchestrated this as a team and it's a shoot, like it's real, that would mean they have to be getting along. They both agreed that this was a good idea and like I, the security didn't get that. Like to me, it's just really weird. Like, I don't know what to think of it. I know it gets really annoying when you, you have these conversations with other wrestling fans where there's controversy over whether something's a work or whether it's a shoot and people are like oh my god wrestling fans think everything is a work it's not always a work or vice versa i don't know man i i don't we don't know the details on this i mean won't you know if there's a follow-up are I, they hoping to get contracts i don't see to me that's what they wanted but if i were them and i had to hop the barricade which i guess i understand why they did it for the tag team one, if they're trying to get into the tag team division and get themselves right. a hot storyline, I'll tell you the first thing I'm doing isn't picking a fight with the Briscoes. <laughs> but the guy who hopped the barricade during the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony wasn't thinking 
<laughs> like, he wasn't thinking much either. And honest to God, the guy that hopped the thing at the Hall of Fame looked like he took a worse beating than Enzo and cast it. Yeah. Did you read the details on this guy? He's like, he's an ex-MMA. Or not ex, but he's like the amateur MMA guy who's like records two and one. I just read his quote was, it felt like it was the right time. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Best punch of all of that, though, is the fan footage of one of the revival. I don't remember. I was it Dash Wild. Which one is? Yeah. Ch- the one that doesn't Dash. have the chops. He yeah, just he walks out of the aisle where his seat is, punches that guy straight in the face and just walks back to his seat. Like, well, he, the best part about it is, is him acting like he didn't just do that. Like him looking <laughs> around like he's just as confused as everybody else. Like what happened? Like there wasn't going to be video of that happening. It was fucking amazing. I can't wait till more information comes out from this. But it was awesome seeing, what was that, Travis Brown and Shane McMahon were like the first two people to hit the ring to get this guy. <laughs> I I love it. I like the camaraderie. And also well, it was... Fucking, it finally yeah, gave I mean, him something to fucking talk about at the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Not not a positive thing, but uh, we were relating this back to the Enzo cast thing. I don't know what to think with that, man. I mean, obviously, if there's a follow-up, then we can say that it was a work. But if it just disappears into history... Well, last night, a fan finally uploaded a video that was sitting in the front row. Because before, okay. we only had all these back, you know, far back... F- pieces of footage somebody finally uploaded this front row video best thing about the entire thing is at the end Cass is laying on the ground (laughs) PCO and Brody King walk by who have not been a part of this at all like this is towards the end of it Cass is on the ground PCO walks by (laughs) Cass points up at PCO and shouts fuck you you pussy ass bitch and (laughs) PCO does not acknowledge him and walks by, and I had to pause it and was in tears. <laughs> like PCO no sells the insult. And Enzo, if you're going out there, I get it. Like you're you're gonna look tougher if you try and fight a Briscoe, but you're gonna be more successful if you go after PCO first. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, at the end of this footage, you see bu- uh, Bully Ray yelling at security. And this is what made it seem so real to me is he yells at security and goes, what the fuck took you so goddamn long? Do your fucking jobs. And it really seemed like all of security thought that it was part of the show. Well, that would make sense that they would be confused and think that it's part of the show. But I I just think it's really weird that like Enzo and Cass would have an agreement to like because they would both get arrested from that. Well, okay, so I hate admitting this on the air, but I did watch as much of the Enzo shoot interview that is available on YouTube. Okay. Which I wasn't going to. And this is one of those things like where maybe I watch it, but maybe I also don't tell anyone about this. Oh, you're telling us now. I'm telling you. Here's my secrets. I watched the Enzo <laughs> shoot. I like those shoots. They're fun, and I wanted to get his side of the Simon Gotch story. <laughs> Okay. But in it, it sounds like him and Cass are like kind of cool again. It sounds like they did have a falling out because Enzo thought Cass should have kept going, working through that injury. Oh, the one that sidelined them like when they were in the middle of their feud? Yeah. Okay. 
but it sounds like they have since kind of forgiven each other for that. And that he's like, you never know what another person's going through. This is the most upsetting thing about the Enzo shoot is. Did he do another rap? He did not rap. And he is so calm throughout it that you make, you feel like maybe he's a normal person. And that you've just been getting worked by a personality this whole time. Which, I mean, you kind of are, but uh, I think the best story that he told in that shoot was he was talking about why Simon Gotch hates him. (laughs) Well, share the story with us, because people can go listen to the shoot later, maybe if you sell it. But he said said that they were in a a promo class, and he's like, you always have to go out there and show everyone up. He's like, you know, everybody's trying to get on TV. And he said that him and Simon Gotch had to promo against each other. And the first thing he said to Simon Gotch was, you coming out here with your titty hanging out? Because he wore that, that, that singlet. That singlet. And he said, it probably would have been fine. But he said, after I said that line, he pulled the singlet up over his titty. <laughs> <laughs> like it legitimately hurt him. And he said there he and he's talking about this like just very calmly and he just goes the second he pulled that up there was just no coming back. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of right though, right? Yeah, he he was right. Like that's I mean, Simon Gotch looked like a dick. If you're going to you can't go out there and make it look like it hurt your feelings. <laughs> yeah. There's there is no coming back from that once you like the best thing you can do is like just make him think that you don't give a shit or laugh along with it. But once you know that like you've been, once they know you've been wounded, uh, do you think the second Simon Gotch pulled his singlet up over his nipple that he knew he fucked up? No, (laughs) no, but he did say, he said that he doesn't have any ill will towards Simon Gotch. And he like, he's like, I just don't want to speak that guy's name. He's like, for instance, he's like the only time anyone wants to listen to that guy talk is when he's talking about me. (laughs) And he said, I'm not, he said, I'm not saying that he did it on purpose, but he said, if I ever find out that he did that move to me on purpose, I'm going to have some words with him. How you doing? (laughs) Uh, Do you feel more informed about Enzo now? He fan. I hate, that he seems like a smart guy and I don't want to give him credit for it. <laughs> He's got a checkered uh, past the last couple years. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm forgiving people second chances, but there's, he is a really easy guy to dislike. Well, step away from cast for a moment or, or sorry, step away from Enzo for a moment. Cass, uh, we saw him wrestle back in June at money in the bank. We saw his last WWE match against Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Is that one you're going to tell your kids about someday? Absolutely. (laughs) That's one that's, I'm going to talk about that and I'm going to talk about PCO trying to kill himself on a (laughs) nightly basis. I mean, but him doing that senton off, off the top rope at the G1, like to the ring apron. And he finally landed it, didn't just flat back on the apron. But once, I mean, when you look at him, I, like I've stood next to PCO. That is a, like, that is a big guy. That is a lot of weight to be landing across somebody's chest with your head poking over, like, the, the ring apron. Like, if he, if he misses, you're decapitated. You're dead. Was and it, he has a history of botching his own moves. Was that a Briscoe that he landed on? 
I can't even remember. I just know I was worried about them. Fuck PCO. <laughs> I was worried that they were broken. I can't believe, like, I would have loved to have seen the conversation before where he's like, I'm going to land on you for real this time. And him just be like, well, I've watched you miss a lot of moves. All I would have said, courage. All I would have said is <laughs> Bola 20, 2018, man. I don't, or 2019. I don't know. Or that the was fucking courage. You know that Brody King was sitting there being like, you sure, man? <laughs> God, I even went- the moonsault, even the fucking moonsault. He fucking hit his moonsault and the guy looked terrified. Who do we got to pay over at Ring of Honor to get our own version of ride along over there so I can see the conversations <laughs> between PCO and Brody King as they drive I down think- the road? I don't know. It, it does does Ring of Honor still count as the Indies? Um, I just I just think indie ride-alongs would be really amazing. <laughs> no filter, just the language. Just it's the fifth fucking night in a row. I gotta work PCO on the road. Are you out of your fucking mind? I am going to die in this ring. I have kids. <laughs> One of us, and hopefully him first. <laughs> Good Lord. What music are PCO and Brody listening to? Like, they switch on and off when driving. Pantera. You think that's... I don't know. I picture... What's that uh, Chicago song? Uh, some, 25 or 6 to 4? Yeah, that's what I picture PCO listening to and Brody... That just, Chicago song. <laughs> <laughs> like they, <laughs> what the fuck? And then I name one, you're like, yeah, that one. Well, that's the... When I think of the band Chicago and you at the same time, I associate that song. 25 or 60 not not saturday in the park or anything good lord no you you knew Can, what i was talking about you nailed it on I, the first I, try I, I, we know i'm we... i got that i didn't pco that i understood it i got it right <laughs> let's move let's move on to another show <laughs> well just like your thought your thoughts on the g1 i like because i i kind of went on a summary uh compliment but i really liked it i like i said i thought there were a couple disappointments but i mean there were a lot of title changes at this show and it was an exciting i mean if you're gonna do a bunch of title changes you got to do that at madison square garden like that one of my favorite title changes of the night was the dragon lee ishimori bandito match because of the way they set it up so dragon lee comes out and is basically his story is he's trying to win that title back so that Takahashi can come back and win it from him. Like well, he, you said Bandito st- <clears throat> really stood out in this match. So did I say that? When did I you say You did. That? You texted it to me while you were watching it. Dude, here's the problem with all this fucking wrestling that I watched. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to remember everything. It's not like I just watched bandito one time this weekend. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I don't remember what I liked about bandito in this match. I'm sure it was fucking awesome because he's bandito and he's great. I was just excited that dragon Lee won because to me that said Takahashi's coming back soon. Well, we hope so. We hope he's healthy. That's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping this was the way to get a belt on Dragon Lee, so Takahashi. And what my hope is, because I have tickets to uh, the G1 in Dallas, and I'm really hoping that he could fight Dragon Lee back in the United States where he got his neck broken. That'd be kind of a nice uh, return for him. But yeah, have it in an arena in America where he lost it. 
or I guess he didn't lose it that night. He broke his neck and retained, but it would yeah. be nice to see him come back and get it. And maybe that's just me being selfish since I'm going to be at that one, but that's what I'm hoping for. Well, it's it's a good story in the sense that it comes full circle and he gets to return to his career back in the States where he got hurt. But, but yeah, yeah the, uh, did, did the G did, did this, did this uh, show live up to all the hype? Like, did, did it meet expectations? How did you feel about it? So I thought the show was very good. The problem is it was following uh, NXT's takeover, which was a very, very good show. And yeah. so it seems like the consensus with G1 is, People loved the New Japan stuff and were kind of lukewarm to the Ring of Honor stuff. But the problem is Ring of Honor had half the card. Right. So I enjoyed the show, but I don't think I, in the end, enjoyed it more than I enjoyed TakeOver. Which is something that, you know, I don't expect to say when New Japan is facing off with WWE. But but that's not necessarily a knock so much as it is a compliment to TakeOver. Because TakeOver, NXT's been putting on consistent consistently good pay-per-views for a couple years now. And there were a couple matches on this that we just wanted so badly. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially, I mean, I know for both of us, we both mentioned this was one of the ones we were most looking forward to for the whole weekend. Walter versus Pete. Yeah. Do you want to just, do you want to transition over to just talking about takeover right now? I yes. Guess? <laughs> yeah. Let's just talk about a couple of our favorite takeover matches. I don't think there was a bad match on this card. I think everything was good. Like I, I like I'm, I'm kind of sick of Shayna Baszler's reign with the women's title. But even this match, I thought was a lot of fun. Walter versus Pete Dunne lived up to being everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, that did not disappoint me in the slightest. I got pretty much the exact match I wanted, and the outcome I think we all wanted. Well, as far as the outcome goes, like we, I feel like we'd already said this, but. If you're not going to have Walter be the one to beat Pete Dunne, who is? Like, you don't book yourself into a corner like that where the next person that Pete Dunne has to face has to be bigger or more intimidating than Walter. That's not going to happen. So now that and... Walter has it, though, do you think he's going to have a Dunne-like reign? Or do you think that they're going to... What? Who do you think is a good opponent right now for Walter? Are they going to do a rematch? I mean, I, I know the main roster has kind of done away with the guaranteed rematch calls, which I actually think creatively is fantastic. Um, I don't know if NXT is doing that. I wouldn't mind seeing those guys wrestle again. Yeah, I think Pete Dunne, considering how long he held it, deserves a rematch. Yeah. But when I start looking at the rest of their roster and start thinking about, like, shit, I mean, even just think about how good it uh, progresses Big Show last year or this year him versus Tyler Bate. Yeah. How good that was. I mean, at this point, WWE, since it didn't happen on their TV, can just pretty much pretend like that never happened and do it again. But that's not an issue they have in NXT because they acknowledge progress and progress is a partner and they used progress footage in the build to the Pete Dunne, uh, Walter match. So actually Tyler Bate makes a ton of sense as the next opponent for Walter because they've worked because they've touched so many times, they they know that that's money, and they also know that it will help establish Walter as a star for that brand. Yeah, have him go up against another person that people recognize as a top guy. Correct. Though, I am super excited about the idea of Ilya Dragunov versus Walter in NXT at some point. Oh yeah, I mean, that's coming. 
There's yeah, but, you can't. But, that's just such a yeah. You, they wouldn't skip that. What did you think of? Um, again, the show opens with another fantastic tag match. This is actually the only match on the card I didn't see. I didn't realize the show started when it did, and I turned it on right as that match was ending. War Raiders versus Ricochet and Aleister Black. And this kind of feels like this is it for Ricochet and Aleister Black and NXT. And that makes sense. And obviously War Raiders retain and keep their tag titles, but this was just another... (laughs) NXT does tag matches the right way. The main roster, not so much. But goddamn, that show opened hot, and they they killed it, and then it ended with you know positivity all around. They were showing signs of respect to one another as they kind of uh, gave Ricochet and Aleister Black a moment with the crowd to let them kind of soak up that this is it for them in NXT. And you could see that Ricochet was getting really emotional, like he started crying. And he hadn't so, even uh, been there that long. Yeah. So did War Raiders finally have a good showing? Did they do something that? made them stand out i mean it's to me this is the the one art of pro wrestling that is always hard to put your finger on which is that i thought war raiders looked fantastic like to me this is the best match i've seen them in but is that because they stepped up or was it because it was ricochet and alistair black making them look fantastic See, at the same time, though, I mean, I watched them in Ring of Honor take on some great tag teams. I've seen them in New Japan. I've seen them at PWG. Like, I've seen them at all these places where they've been going up against, you know, really good wrestlers. And they've just never clicked with me. I've never seen a War Raiders match that I remember. I rarely do this to you. I think this is one you actually should go back and watch because I remember this being a damn hot opener. I, and I believe you because every we've talked about this on here. Every time they open with a tag match, it ends up being awesome. Yeah, I, I think I think it was a great opener. Um, go back and check that out. Um, Velveteen Dream versus Matt Riddle. Wow, <laughs> this was so much fun. Between the fist bumps and. Or the, and this is I think this is one of those matches where Matt Riddle looking like a monster, like he's just able to grab you and chuck you around and Velveteen, Velveteen Dream looking like he's about to piss his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Riddle's ability to change from being adorable to terrifying is wonderful. It is. And what what was See, I think maybe this is just me pressing my own feelings onto the situation. I feel like one of the things they have tried to the last few years with Brock Lesnar is try to convince the audience, like, this is what happens when a like a, a mixed martial arts guy meets a pro wrestler. And they've tried to break that dynamic down. I actually thought Matt Riddle and Velveteen Dream did this dynamic a little bit better, where Velveteen Dream played the role of the over-the-top professional wrestler with his attire his shenanigans and matt riddle was able to kind of like even down to the spot where matt riddle got his foot stomped on by velveteen dream for not coming to the ring with the appropriate attire (laughs) (laughs) for a wrestling match i just this was i just thought this this was better than i expected it to be and i expected it to be pretty good but i thought these guys killed it and the way the finish played out and matt riddle's reaction 
like he's got his first loss out of the way and they did the 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 fist bump at the end and i don't know what did you think of this i like that velveteen dream finally got a big win yeah like it made it actually made him feel legitimate and like you said getting matt riddle's first loss out of the way is great for him I agree. Because I'm tired of like, I don't always love it. I, I mean, I like him being a monster and being really, really hard to defeat. But we don't need everybody that's awesome to be completely undefeated for a year. Well, but I also but I also don't think it suits his, his laid back, chill character to be Superman. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think like I think him being vulnerable. And being able to turn it up when he gets pissed off that he gets screwed out of something. I think I don't know. It helps. He looks like he's going to have a real easy come, easy go vibe about losing. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, and, and it's not like I, I was down on Matt Riddle or anything, but I, I, I don't think I was hyped as, as you were about him coming in. I'm really high on Matt Riddle now. And, uh, I'm also a big fan of his entrance music. I can't say I remember the entrance music. Oh, I like it. But, oh, this actually would be a good transition if you're ready to move away from this, since we're pretty far into the show. From this match? Uh, to move on to a, a completely different show. Well, we haven't even talked about Gargano and Adam Cole yet. What do you have to say about it? I thought it was awesome. Same. I thought they made Johnny Gargano look like he could kick out of damn near anything. Dude needed a win. I... <laughs> yeah. I I I don't know if I liked how they fl over the last couple months they flipped him from being babyface to Champa's heel bitch to now telling me no he's a babyface again like I I don't know how to receive that um but he did need the win he finally made it <laughs> he got the NXT title I don't know where does Adam Cole and the undisputed era go from here I don't are know are they going to be in this in the superstar shakeup are they going to stay in NXT I would hope they stay in NXT for a while. I feel like NXT is finally back to a place where they've got such a strong roster that it's going to be a really fun show for a little bit. I'm also afraid. I agree with you, but I'm. I, but it's also because I'm afraid that if they go to the main roster, they're going to get lost in the shuffle the same way Sanity did, where you don't even see him anymore. Shit, was Sanity even on <laughs> WrestleMania? No. They weren't even in the pre-show? No. Huh. Sanity doesn't even get used on SmackDown. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Sanity just kind of vanished. I'm sure that they're pissed. Yeah. Remember but, uh, that no, one? That big guy had that awesome match at Taker or at uh, War Games? <laughs> um, TakeOver was awesome. Nothing much else to say other than that's, that's another show from the weekend that you have to check out. What do you want to move on to next, man? So just talking about Matt Riddle, he participated in this show last year. What's funny is last year when I was at Mania, I spent all that time in that one building, and I said my takeaway from all of this is don't do that. Go around, see some different shows. The majority of the shit I paid money for this weekend was all GCW. Yeah. I bought four GCW shows this weekend, and I didn't regret any of them. Uh I don't know. This one I want to talk to you about. I it confuses me. I got Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Uh Garrett Keith recommended this one. And 
I'll be honest. Like, I, I don't know if I fully understand this type of wrestling. Josh Barnett is trying to do this new wrestling that is, like, it's not new, but it's different than what's happening right now in that it is just, it looks like an MMA show. Like, it feels like you're watching a real fight. Like, you feel like you're watching people get hurt. It feels like a worked MMA match. Is that what you're saying? Correct. And for me, this is what we talked about with WrestleMania, where I said I like the pageantry a little bit. And then, <laughs> and this is... You were missing the pageantry? There was no pageantry, Derek. This is just big, tough guys coming out and doing what... just what looks like beating the shit out of each other. And I guess, but do I, you know that they're not? That is my question. Is it, is it an MMA thing or is it pro wrestling? So what I'm you said, told, there were no ropes. There were no ropes, no ropes. They were just on the ring. And the only way you could win was by knockout or submission. <sighs> I don't know if I like it. I, I didn't see it, but I, it automatically rubs me the wrong way. It's just, I guess for me, I could watch MMA if I wanted to. Right. I don't know what the what I get out of watching fake MMA. I know what I get out of watching pro wrestling. Right. And this is pro wrestling. But I don't per, like I guess you know different flavors of ice cream and this one just isn't my this isn't my moose tracks, Derek. But well, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great callback, Derek. But but yeah, I don't know. I just didn't get it. The main event was awesome. Don't get me wrong. The main event was Josh Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki. There was a 20-minute time limit, and they went to a draw at 20 minutes, and it w- they were beating the shit out of each other. Crowd calls for five more minutes. They get five more minutes. It goes to a time limit draw at 25 minutes. Ugh. And it was just Josh Barnett's such a large, monstrous man, and Suzuki is terrifying, but much shorter. And it was really cool to see two tough guys of varying sizes. Just not backing down from each other. Yeah, I did like that. But overall, this style is not really for me. Like, some of the matches are more just mat wrestling and grappling, which is fun. But I guess, I don't know. If I wanted to watch MMA, I would watch MMA. This one just isn't for me. Are you afraid to tell that to Garrett? No, I'm not afraid to tell him that. I, I Once again, it's, you know, we all like different stuff. This one, like, I can appreciate that these guys are making it look like a really, really real fight. But it kind of takes out some of the fun of pro wrestling for me. Okay. No, I, I see that. I, I see that entirely. I just hope Garrett Keith doesn't chop you if he feels offended that you turned down his recommendation. I didn't turn it down. I watched it start to finish. <laughs> I get it. But like you're saying, like, this is, uh, nah, thanks for showing it to me, but I'm not, not, not my style. I'm not telling him. You're telling him he sucks at picking out things to share with you. That's what you're saying. I'm, what I'm saying is he made me waste $15. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to Okay. We're running out of time here and I really want to get to these Janela shows. Well, let's get to it. Let's do it right now. So Janela's spring break opens with Marco Stunt versus Joey Janela. Marco Stunt goes over. It's awesome. Great seeing Marco Stunt back. What's the situation? Is, is he completely healthy? He's healed. Uh, this was him and Joey's first show back. So they both, they're both back to being able to work again. Yeah, they were both broke leg boys, and they came back to have their first match together. 
That's kind of adorable. And it was nice because Joey put over Marco Stunt. Honestly, the whole show was a really fun comedy show for the most part. Like, Nick Gage had a match in it against uh, Otani, who is a much older Japanese wrestler. Uh, Nick Gage was very excited about this match and at the end, like, very much praised him for being part of it. It was just a normal wrestling match. One of the weirder parts of the night was a 7-minute and 19-second match between two invisible men. The referee basically is acting the match out. He's kind of moving in the way that people are getting hit. Most fun spot of the thing. The whole match, there was a table sitting in the ring. At the end, the table breaks without anyone touching it. (laughs) But the match that everyone is talking about from this show is the the main event, which they brought all these people in, gave them a fun comedy show, then I'll be goddamned if they don't end with just a brutal death match. <laughs> joke's on you. It really was a joke's on you kind of thing, and it is hilarious. That's a funny joke, but this one went... <laughs> like, I appreciate... Like, the I appreciate the comedy as much as anybody. No, I appreciate the joke of, like, you just had people cheering and losing their shit for an Invisible Man match, but now... You are showing people some shit that a lot of these people in this room have never seen before. So it is. Can uh, we ta- for, before you before you get into that? Can we take a moment to appreciate the fact that within like five minutes of each other, we went from you talking about how a a worked MMA fight isn't your cup of tea. However, two invisible men <laughs> having a wrestling match—that's right up your alley. That's your your comedy style. See, if Josh Barnett went in there and had a really vicious-looking MMA fight where he is just covered in sweat and looks like he has taken a beating from an invisible man, that's... And he blades. He blades and is just bleeding all over the... God damn it. <laughs> see? See? That's a good show. That's the show I want to see. <laughs> it didn't have one comedy spot, Derek. There wasn't one. <laughs> Well, what happens in this main event, man? Because I know there's something we need to talk about. So I start getting texts from people saying people are walking out. And then I hear somebody fainted, somebody vomited. And then I think, I don't know if I want to see this because you and I sat through some shit. Like you and I have seen some shit, Derek. Yeah. You tried to run last I checked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing that was so they, you know, they brought light tubes out. Everybody's very close to the ring. Everybody's getting covered in glass, having a great time, whatever. But the opening of this match. So who is it? It's Masashi Takeda. Takeda. It's T-A-K-E-D-A. I wasn't familiar with this guy. He is a Japanese deathmatch wrestler, and when this motherfucker pulled his shirt off, his body had seen better days, my friend. You can tell. <laughs> oh, that's your that's your line of that's your line of work. His his body tells a story, and it's a story similar to Freddy Krueger's body. <laughs> and he comes out against Jimmy Lloyd, who I think is a really I don't know, he's a funny deathmatch wrestler to me because he looks like your buddy. Mine specifically? No, anybody's buddy. He buddy. looks he oh, looks okay. like your buddy. Like to me, Jimmy Lloyd is if you were a deathmatch wrestler. <laughs> like visually, like you know, he's a big guy, but you aren't super afraid of him because he seems nice. So when he goes out there, he gets this the uh 
The other guy gets this little pallet of nails and starts just smashing it into Jimmy Lloyd's head. And remember how Eddie Guerrero looked at No Way Out, where there was just too much blood? Yep. Same situation. Right off the bat, way too much blood. Then he pulls just that. Gushing. Just squirting, man. And then he he takes that little nail palette and nails it into his arm next. And that's <sighs> like right in the tricep, which is, he's got a real meaty arm. He's a big dude, so it looked disgusting. But the spot everyone's talking about is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Takeda. You, hey, if you're a new listener to this and it bothers you when we mispronounce names, do not go back and listen to old episodes. <laughs> uh, we aren't experts, but we are experts at hanging out. Uh, so, <laughs> so he pulls out a board from under the ring, Derek, that has three open pairs of scissors connected to yep. it. Blade out, blade open. And Jimmy Lloyd is sitting in the corner like he's ready to take a cannonball. You know, like Kevin Owens, when he runs, does the flip into the corner. But he's put, the guy puts the blades, blade in to Jimmy Lloyd's chest, goes across the ring, takes off running to drop kick this board of scissors into Jimmy Lloyd's chest. Oh, fuck. The blades slip up and hit him in the neck slash throat region and are inside of his skin. This was not supposed to happen, I don't think, Derek. Jimmy, well, what the fuck was supposed to happen? I don't know, but Jimmy Lloyd was really feeling his throat like, did I just cut my throat? Am I going to die? What the fuck did he think was going to happen? I don't know. There was no... I mean, he, as hard as that guy drop kicked that board, best case scenario is you get him paled somewhere. Yeah. The throat is worst case scenario. Yeah. Would you have cried? Yes. Did you cry anyway just watching it? Oh, I was watching it through my fingers. I could not believe what I just saw. And I immediately understood why people were throwing up and stuff. Because, I mean, after it wasn't even over. That wasn't like that was the finish. When he realized he wasn't dying, That kept going. I mean, they got a weed eater out. They kept doing light tubes. I mean, it was only like a seven-minute match or something, but it felt like I watched it for an eternity, and it was a hell of a way to end a pretty good comedy show. Can you imagine if you had taken your mom to this show? Yeah, I can. Um <laughs> between the invisible man match and the scissors to the throat. I feel like she would have been out in a parking lot somewhere in New Jersey waiting for it to be over. (laughs) (laughs) Arms crossed, looking very disappointed in you. We're running super long on this one, so I'm going to just breeze through a couple other things. One of my favorite matches of the whole weekend, again, was from Joey Janela's part two of his spring break. I would have never believed this match to be as good as it was. LAX, Ortiz and Santana, Versus goddamn Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. You said this was fantastic. So going into it, you aren't expect LAX are one of the best tag teams working today. Yeah. They go out there and laid in so hard to these older gentlemen. <laughs> they were probably told to by them. Oh, I'm sure they were. There were just a couple kicks to the face. That you could just see, like, you know, they're they're older, they've got a little weight on them, their faces are squishy. You can see when those cheeks are moving, man. Like, you can't fake some of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I heard I heard that Ricky Morton was, was a was a rock star over the weekend. 
Oh, it was, uh, if I had known last year when I was at that diner or whatever in New Orleans and we ran into Robert Gibson at the table next to us, I wish I could have talked to him about this match. A match that I was going to see in a... Never thought I would watch them wrestle again. Turns out I'm going to watch them wrestle against one of the best working tag teams. <laughs> uh, overall, though, uh, once again, do not like the clusterfuck. It, <laughs> there were a lot of fun things in it, though. They had a lot of guest appearances during it. Oh, the clusterfuck is fun. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. But at this point, what time was I watching this? It had to have been two or three in the morning. <laughs> It was so late, and it was once again, I just felt like I was right back there being pissed off at the Pontchartrain Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, you had appearances from Joey Ryan, you had Nick Gage, you had MJF. Necro Butcher was in pretty much the yeah. whole thing. Yep. But I have to tell you, but this is what we're going to end on. I watched this other show, Orange Cassidy is doing something or whatever, who knows? That's the name of the show. <laughs> There is a spot in this where they bring out about eight or nine people and they're going to have a dodgeball match. That sounds like something Vince would do on Raw. It does, doesn't it? So yeah. so basically all these wrestlers come out. There were several uh, people that are Southern Underground Pro guys that actually we saw a lot of Southern Underground Pro wrestlers in the audience of these shows. I saw the champ, Brett Eisen, in the crowd at Janela's Spring Break taking a picture of something. Thought that was hilarious. So these guys come out, one of which is MJF. And the story is they're picking teams, and MJF the whole time is really pumped up. He's got his Burberry scarf wrapped around his head like a bandana. He's pumped, and he is ready for this dodgeball game, and he can't wait to play. He even looks excited, Derek. He looks excited <laughs> to play. MJF with enthusiasm. Yes. And as they start picking people, the team captains are out loud talking about the person they're picking and every time they're describing MJF, but then pick somebody else. So after, after about <laughs> eight minutes, what feels like seven or eight minutes of them picking teams, MJF is last and does not get chosen and doesn't get to be on a team at all. Cause there's an odd number of people. So, <laughs> so after all of this, MJF takes the dodgeballs and leaves. So no one has dodgeballs anymore. They just have teams. And they the joke is they go like, ah, oh, well, I guess we'll have to wrestle. The whole crowd starts booing. Because <laughs> they were ready for the dodgeball. <laughs> and the crowd, as this wrestling match starts, starts channeling, chanting, wrestling sucks. <laughs> uh, pro wrestling is amazing. This show is just so weird, and there's some really fun stuff like uh, Session Moth Martina versus Nate Webb in a last-person standing match where what they have to do is every 30 seconds they have to take a chug of beer. God damn. So they're getting, like, it's a comedy match, progressively getting more drunk. Then towards the end of the night, Teddy Hart comes out with his cat because, you know, Teddy Hart always has his cat at these shows, and the joke is... He's going to come out and read a children's book that just has like one sentence on each page about cats. And you can tell he is very hesitant about this and does not understand this show. Like he doesn't, he doesn't get it. You can tell he just didn't get it. 
And then as he started going and the crowd was popping for him so hard as he was reading simple sentences, like, if I were a cat, I would have a fluffy tail. Like, literally shit like that. And the crowd popped so hard and started chanting, this is awesome. And he goes, no joke, last night I did a backflip out of the balcony and I just got a bigger reaction for this. I fucking love this. (laughs) Like, by the end of it, every time he read a sentence, he looked so happy, Derek. He looked like he was having the best time ever at a crowd being really nice and receptive to everything that was happening, even though it was so dumb. <laughs> uh, during this mat, during this show, Chuck Taylor versus Trent Beretta in a one-minute time, one time limit anything goes match. One minute. One minute. They spent about 58 seconds stretching and just walking around the ring, looking at each other. They lock up match ends. (laughs) (laughs) But the main event of this is a Yuletide death match between Nick Gage and Ultramantis Black, which is a luchador who is a Christmas themed prey mantis. Okay. (laughs) This wrestler literally has two full sleeves all of Christmas things. So in the ring, they have a they have a Christmas tree wrapped in barbed wire. They have a board covered in ornaments. It almost looks like a Home Alone death match. <laughs> and this is a match of Nick Gage beating the absolute shit out of Ultramantis, cutting him up. This guy is tangled up in barbed wire so much in this match. It's so gross. And this match ends with MJF coming out and hitting Nick Gage in the head with a steel chair and interrupting the match. That seems like a mistake. Yeah, he's real pissed off that uh, he didn't get to play dodgeball and no one's going to get to play. And just so you know, right after that, Nick Gage delivers a neck breaker <laughs> to MJF into a pile of thumbtacks. Oh my God, MJF did a, th- a thumbtack spot? He did. <laughs> he did. Thumbtack. But that was truly, like, this show was fun as hell. I, I really enjoyed it. GCW had a real good time in New Jersey this weekend. It seems like it. I'm sad I wasn't at a lot of these. Like this show, these shows really did make me miss Mania weekend. But I'm hearing from some of our listeners that it was actually not super fun at WrestleMania and that people that were in attendance didn't love it as much as the people who were at home. That seems really weird to me. Since, if, I mean, I, I, I mean, we could talk about this later, but we've already done a review of WrestleMania. But I think since uh, so we need to get like Rand on here, we need to see if we can do like Skype Rand in and ask him some questions about these shows because he would have been in attendance for Mania and this crazy death match where the guy got stabbed in the throat. Well, we do have uh, many a correspondent across the country. I think we'll we'll need to get him on here. Yeah. I guess this is as good a time as any. We we sh- like if you enjoyed listening to this episode and you're wondering, hey, how come we didn't talk about WrestleMania? We did that on our bonus zone episode. If you haven't already, go back and listen to that. You'll get our thoughts on Mania 35. And also, we talked a little bit about Jeff Cobb and what a great year he's had and how he opened the G1. You should go back and listen to episode 35 in our archives. We interviewed Jeff Cobb at Starcast. So check that out. You get hear you get to hear that uh, Jeff Cobb collects action figures for everyone he wrestles. It's adorable. It is adorable. Garrett, tell them how they can reach out to us on our social media. Hey, 
You got social media. We got social media. Hop on your social media and give us a follow. We're at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and Twitter. I am at Gartet on social media. Derek is at Halloween Halpin. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Do all the things. Do all the things for us. We'll love you forever. And then you can tell us something that you want us to talk about on the show, and we'll do it. And you know what, Derek? I have watched so much wrestling that at this point, I... I don't even know. My brain is fried a little bit from all the wrestling. I'm ready to have a chill week and, you know, watch a normal amount of wrestling and go back and start doing what we do, which is just talking bullshit and watching old wrestling. I got to tell you, we'll we'll end the show in a way that we often start the show. You take a couple days off from pro wrestling and enjoy your watching your hockey team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to do that the second we're done recording. My team's been playing for the last 54 minutes and I can't wait to see the score. I might end up being sad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh we'll be back next week as always. Hit our goddamn music. <laughs>